some cool music that we're going to talk about and probably some stories too so let's welcome to shoe andrew hagar how are you i'm doing great how are you doing oh, i'm doing phenomenal you know down here in south florida where it's not sunny south florida it's raining all the time <laughs> Hur- hurricanes tornadoes all that good stuff but you know listen it's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> we're absolutely we're alive and kicking and partying in South Florida, at least for now. <laughs> so yeah, I, I want to start off just by talking about you got this amazing new single out. I don't know I was listening to it and it it's it's pretty badass. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about Systematic Minds. Well, Systematic Minds is the first song that I wrote with my producer and co-writer Trev Lukather back in December of 2020. And it kind of happened suddenly and out of nowhere, very out of the blue, but it started a, you know, creative partnership that I'm very proud of and can't wait to present people with more of the music later this month. We got the first EP coming out in late June called Limited Edition Psycho. And Systematic Minds is probably my favorite, if not one of my favorite tracks that we did. Nice. And so how would you describe to the listeners, not from a genre, because I hate genres, it just boxes people in. I like it better when music has no genre, it's just, you know, whatever the artist feels. So how would you describe your music? And I want you to do that also because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that will think, oh, it must sound like his father. And I'm sure (laughs) that you want to be your own person just like the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. I think the song takes a lot of cues from, you know, my different musical influences, Trev's different musical influences, and you can hear a lot of that in there in the song. You know, I love a lot of 90s alternative music. I grew up on that, obviously. Trev grew up on more kind of anthemic stadium rock. And so we we met in the middle. The song's got some really cool psychedelic kind of like David Gilmore-ish vibes to it. It's got some big, like, Def Leppard kind of drums, the anthemic hooks all throughout the song, lyrically. Melodies are, you know, really kind of hooky as well. I jokingly call Trev Dr. Hook because he's always got a lot of really good stuff going into the track. Everything is a little hook. And, you know, my specialty is more like lyrics and melody. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how the song turned out. It's got that kind of... 90s alternative vibe a little psychedelic vibes and 
definitely a lot of the, the stadium rock kind of stuff. Well, that's why I was digging about it because I find that nowadays there's so many micro genres and sub genres that a lot of music <laughs> is like categorized there and has to sound exactly like that. So I'm, I'm into the blending of genres to make a unique sound, something that hasn't been done before or at least not done to death. And I, that's Absolutely. what I heard in your music. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's really hard to be original these days. People are being fed a steady diet of nostalgia. Yeah. And <laughs> on top of that, you know, you've got everybody kind of using the same sounds in all these different, you know, production softwares now. So music tends to sound very similar when people are creating it, you know, either on a laptop or, you know, in the studio using live and all this other stuff. So I don't know, man. I, I think that, uh, you know, really making something original is much more difficult than it would seem. You know, yeah. as they say, everything under the sun has been done, correct? So It's so true. And, and I'm going to tell you about a meme. I don't know if you ever saw it. That's going to go right to <laughs> what you said. So there's this meme. And it has a picture on top, picture on the bottom. Picture on top says 80s rock star. And it's got this guy lying on the ground with his guitar in his one hand and a bottle of Jack in the other hand. It should have been your dad's <laughs> tequila, actually, but, you know, we'll stick with the JD. And then the bottom picture is this dude sitting with the guitar on his lap, typing away on the computer. <laughs> and that's today's, that's today's rock star. And it's so true what you said because... It's like, I was just talking about this in the last interview. Even within a same genre, bands never sounded the same. But nowadays, it seems like every genre has this algebraic equation that they plug in to make music. And it's like, oh, my God, where's the creativity? Yeah, I think back in the day, you know, record execs and tastemakers were willing to take a lot more chances. There were people who came from other disparate industries and they didn't really necessarily know a lot about the music they just knew what what felt good what they thought they wanted to take risks on new artists whereas these days it's you know the market's so oversaturated it's so much more difficult to to make money on the you know executive side of things so they really just feed people a steady diet of the same sounding artists because they know what works and they know what's going to get people interested, you know. But it's uh, to the detriment of all of our musical experiences and health because we have to sit here and listen to just copycat artists all day long. I know, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, my God. So that's why, like, I, I, was, I was listening to your song, and I'm like, oh, it's refreshing. I don't know what's coming next, <laughs> oh, you man. know? That's the, the highest compliment. Well, good, because it is a high compliment, because it is funny. I can, like, predict stuff now, you know, even going to live shows, because I do radio coverage at all the major music festivals, and I go to live shows, and it's like, I can predict what the dude's going to say on stage. <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even the music. I can predict what he's going to say, what he's going to move his hand, and I'm like, man, it wasn't like that back in the 80s. <laughs> And it wasn't like that in the no, 90s back, either. back in the 80s, yeah, we didn't have YouTube and all these other things that we could kind of reference. Like, we have a wealth of information at our fingertips, but just the way that, you know, the algorithm 
feeds us, everybody's kind of getting the same information in their little echo chambers. So it's funny, like everybody feels like they have a very unique kind of rugged individualist perspective on things, but they're all getting fed the same diet of images and audio clips and news bites and, you know, everybody's opinion to some extent is kind of curated, you know, it's not their own. So, you know, you get these guys that are up there on stage that have watched the same like big three or four bands perform. They have all of their little mannerisms, all their licks, all that stuff. No, it's very hard to, to forge a unique identity in, in today's landscape. That's right. Well, you've done it effectively, and I think it's even cooler because, you know, you come from rock royalty, and you're, you're doing your own thing with your own creativity, and it's authentic. You know, like, if it weren't for the name and I listen to your music, I wouldn't know it came from anywhere except yourself. And that's Thank the way it should so be. Thank you so much. That means a lot. It's, it's, like I said, it's very difficult to forge your own identity and, and to even discover what is authentic for yourself. That requires a tremendous amount of work and trial and error and experience. And, yeah, it's, it's not an easy path to forge, you know. No doubt. And... Okay, so I, I do want to talk about this docu-series where, you know, you're in. I saw the trailer for it, and, I mean, I'm like, that's pretty cool because it is kind of cool to see, you know, parents and their kids are in the same industry but then see how they're or not in the same industry and see how they really interact because, you know, we don't know what it's like to live like that, you know. I think about... Like I would, I would watch Ozzy and Jack, and I'd be like, you know, what would it be really like to be Ozzy's kid? That would be weird. <laughs> and I love Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, man, that might be kind of weird. But then you kind of find, and when you see stuff like that, you're like, oh, it's it's kind of normal actually. And that's that's what I dig about it. I want to see the, I want people to know the normal side of it because they think it's all abnormal. Yeah, I mean, we have a strange culture of celebrity worship where we put people on pedestals and think that they're, you know, like these demigods. And obviously, uh, as I like to say, everybody burps shits and farts, even celebrities. You know what I mean? So that's right. It's like growing up as a kid, I I didn't know, you know, any better. I didn't know that my dad was, was quote unquote different, that, that people were like, you know, worshiping him as a rock God. And with that old thing that the first crisis of fate, for a child is when you realize that your parents aren't infallible, right? Right. And I, I realized that pretty early when my parents were going through a rough divorce. I was about seven years old. So, you know, I got a, a very early lesson in, you know, the, the poison nature of, of fame. Yeah. And, you know, we touch on that a little bit in the show. A couple of my friends that, that have seen it were like, bro, I love the fact that it was you on there. It was my friend. It wasn't like, you know, someone trying to pretend to be some big rock star or something. Someone even mentioned that on the show, I just, I seemed like very like, like done with it. Like I was like, I wasn't trying to be there, you know, which is not true at all. I really enjoyed the process of it, but unlike a lot of other folks out there, I never really searched for fame. If, If, you know, being known wasn't a part of being a musician, like I, I would be some faceless, entity that just makes music and i've thought about it a lot of times how you know like slipknot did it and 
Now he's got, you know, bands like Sleep Token, where you just really don't know anything about them at all. Right. Uh, you know, I, I really admire what those people are doing because it's really hard to get anywhere with anonymity in this business. You kind of just have to, you know, steamroll forward. It's, it's very difficult to tour right now. And touring historically has been like the way to kind of push through and get yourself in front of people. So for people that don't have like a quote unquote, like identity or persona for other people to latch on, on social media, it's, it's difficult. So I really admire people who kind of have this nameless, faceless idea about them. It's something really cool. The mystique isn't there anymore for most musicians, but some people have figured out a way to cultivate that. You know, what's so funny. I, I love what you said, but like, because, okay, so I do love Slipknot. And I was thinking yeah. about it recently. I was thinking about it recently, okay? And I'm like, you know, because I'm 56 years old. And, like, I used to do band stuff way back in the day. But, like, I sucked at most of it. But I thought to myself, you know what? It'd be cool. Like, maybe I should go put a mask on and go out there and, you know, have a band, get big. And then, surprise, it's some 56-year-old dude. <laughs> <laughs> so oh man I, but it's so true it's just like okay the first album i ever owned in my life i won at the boardwalk at seaside heights in new jersey and it was the original kiss album and it was wow that's awesome i know right I just remember I won it at a carny gate. I looked up. You could pick all these albums. I saw that one. I, it was like, they just looked so cool to me. Like, I didn't even care what they looked like. I, I was a little kid, you know? So it was like, it's just cool. But, I mean, then I liked them after that, of course. But stuff like that, you know, stories like that happen. Like, there's one story I want to talk about with you is, like, I love how you got into martial arts because you of uh, the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yep. It's so cool. And I'm going to tell you something that ties things together with the Ninja Turtles and Slipknot. And, and mm -hmm. as weird as that may sound. So in the town where my studio is here in Florida, there's somebody that lives here who who was pretty famous in the 80s. And, you know, he's pretty popular now. And somebody came up to me years ago and and they're like, you know, you should interview so-and-so because he lives here. And I'm like, why? <laughs> because it wasn't my, it wasn't really my jam. And, and then, so basically it turned out he did this like festival in our area to raise money for kids and stuff like that. So it turned out he, he was, he was really popular and I got friendly with him. I actually met him at a festival we were playing on in the town and because we, you know, and I was on the chamber and stuff. And so I got to meet him and now we're like friends, but he had me live broadcast his event and he comes over and I have Slipknot blasting in the car and he's helping me get in the radio equipment out and he starts headbanging and I kind of like gave him a side eye and eye roll, <laughs> you know, like really dude. <laughs> And, and he's like, no, you don't understand. It's my jam. Like, I helped them get signed. And it was, it's Vanilla Ice. What? So yeah. So there's how the Ninja Turtle thing ties into it. Yeah. That's so funny. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. It's a, he's actually a metalhead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I've heard so, that. That's really funny. I don't think I've ever met the guy, but uh, oh, he's the yeah, coolest he's, he's got dude. A pretty interesting story. He is the coolest dude, though. Actually, like I have mad respect for him because he don't give a crap about corporate music industry yeah. at all. Like it was funny because when I in the second year I was broadcasting for him. You know, Clear Channel was there. They were just becoming iHeart, and it's funny because now I'm partnered with them. But back then, they didn't like that I was there, and they were trying to get me to leave. And and then they went up on stage where he was sound checking, and I heard over the microphone, "Get the fuck off my stage and leave my fucking radio station alone." <laughs> and for that, yeah, yeah, for that, mad respect, mad respect, because he didn't have to do that. They were paying him actually. And he wow. came. He came up to me. He's like, "Fuck that corporate bullshit. I I don't like the way they treated you. Next year they ain't here. You're here. They're getting kicked out." So, yeah, like he didn't have to do that. I'm like, dude, if you want me to leave, I'll leave. I don't care. No, you're going to come in my VIP area. That's where you'll broadcast from. They have no say there. You know, like in his Damn. back area. So it just goes to show too. That's an earth thing. We look at these celebrities and we think they're something and they're just, everybody's just a normal person doing their thing. That's all. Most definitely. And that, that's something I wish more people would kind of realize, you know, Mm -hmm. especially these days, like we're in a really weird era of celebrity worship where a lot of the people that are celebrities now don't even really have a a, like defined skill set. you know, it used to be like, to be a, a celebrity, it required you to be an exceptional talent in some way. I know, right? For the most part. You <laughs> now know? you and just now have to be like, TikTok you know, famous. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no no shade, but it's like, you know, if you're making videos where you're literally just, you know, like parroting someone else's words or someone else's music and it's getting a million views, but the person who created it's, you know, nowhere near that. Yeah, something seems fundamentally wrong with that. To me. <laughs> oh, I'm with I'm with you, know? you a million percent. Like it, it's yeah. it, it even happens in press tents. Like I do all these festivals, and it's like I think it's kind of ridiculous. I'm in a press tent. I'm thinking to myself, these are professionals, and it's like somebody walks in, and they're all jumping up to them to get autographs and selfies, and and like. Dude, you're freaking working, you know, like this ain't a yeah. meet and greet. And there's times where tour managers have had to say that to press people. It blows my mind. I've literally had an experience where I was interviewing somebody on site, okay, and they were fairly big, and freaking somebody walks over in the middle of the interview, a press person, and interrupts to get an autograph. Like, dude. What, what the hell is that about? You know, it's like... Uh, I don't know what's happened. <laughs> oh, my God. I have no freaking clue what's happened in this society. It just it kind of blows my mind. I was at another festival. you love this one. Okay, and we're in the press area. And one of the press people climbs up on a chair, peers over like Wilson from, you know, the TV show, over the fence, and is yelling yeah. over across backstage to Kid Rock saying, hey, come over here. We, let's do an interview. Like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> that's not how you get an interview. You schedule it ahead of time. Leave, leave him alone. Okay, He'll never come back here now. Thanks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, and, that blows me away. Oh, it, I, I, there's so many stories I could tell you like that. Like, 
And, you know, as an artist, it sucks for you guys as an artist because you have to be nice, okay? That's what the tour manager is mm-hmm. for. The, he's the one that's, or she is the one that's supposed to be a dick or a bitch. But right. you got to be nice. <laughs> and, and, like, I've seen it. I've had different scenarios. Like, okay, so I'm, I'm friends with Phil Anselmo, and we're, and we're back there. And he's being nice to everybody. Everybody's crying. I'm in the press area <laughs> and stuff. And his wife calls me over, and, he's like, and she's like, can you do me a favor? He's never going to leave. He's too nice. And this ain't a meet and greet. Can you please go up to him and whisper in his ear that his wife wants him to leave? And she's, she's his manager, but she was like, you know, you know and she was getting tired of it, and she didn't want to be the mean one. And, and, and like, people are so yeah. weird because I did do that. And then afterwards, everybody's like, oh, what'd you say to him? What'd you say to him? I told him to get the hell out of here because you guys are amateurs. <laughs> oh. uh, so, yeah, and I'm sure you've seen it and have a lot of stories yourself all the yeah, time. I definitely have some stories, unfortunately. Yes. So tell everybody how they connect you on social media, on the web, get your music, get your merch, check out everything about you. My music is available, you know, on any streaming service or digital music store. Just look for Andrew Hagar. And if you want to find me on socials, it's Andrew Hagar official on Instagram and TikTok, Facebook. I have a random band page. that's just Andrew Hagar. I'm also pretty active on Instagram compared to the other stuff. That's generally where I'll announce everything before any other platform. So I encourage people to hit me up on Insta. I'm a little bit active on TikTok. I got to do better about that. That's all the labels I've talked to are like, oh yeah, you know, we, yeah. we love the music, <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta start posting more on TikTok. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so I gotta, you know, figure out what to do on that stuff. But you'll have to lip sync your own music. Yeah, exactly. I, I've definitely done a couple of videos like that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's another thing nowadays. It's like back in the day, lip syncing, you were like shunned. Now you're celebrated with likes and views and followers. Exactly. It blows me away, man. I know, right? <laughs> so, Killer, well, I, I love your music. Everybody needs to check it out, support you because... You're a badass musician, artist, and everything else. And so I thank you for giving us such great music and doing such hard work in this industry because it's a tough industry. And that's why I always want people to support the artists because it's harder than ever to do anything nowadays. So that's why I always say they have to buy your merch or else they can't listen to my show. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, sir. Thank- hey, you got it. Thank you for being on the Adventures of Pipe Man. Absolutely. Hey, I'm Andrew Hagar, and you're listening to The Pipe Man on W4CY Radio. Thank you for listening to The Adventures of Pipe Man on W4CY Radio.